Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Then I want to thank you for the gift basket and the, all the cards and gifts uh, last week that you, your expression of love and kindness to us. It's a great privilege of my, of my life to be your pastor. grateful for that. I'm not an avid fisherman, but I fish enough to know some fish will put up a fight, some won't. In fact, I have fished behind my house some and have accidentally caught some carp. And carp's just kind of a lazy, lumbersome fish you don't want to catch in the first place. But they don't put up much of a fight, especially for their size. Bluegill, on the, on the other hand, will fight you like crazy, and they're not big enough to make a sandwich out of it, um, for the most part. I've only been offshore fishing once, uh, that I, and this, this is proof of that, of that time, that I really found a fish that was all in. In fact, the first time I went offshore fishing, I went on a fishing group on about a 70 or 80 foot boat, and we were shoulder to shoulder, you know, probably a hundred lines in the water, and we caught, I, I, we were fishing for red snapper, and I had one on the line. I got sick about the time I got it on. I handed it to my, to my neighbor. I said, you want this fish? And so they reeled it in. But red snapper, my experience at least, didn't put up much of a fight. I mean, you could tell something was on your line, but it wasn't as though you were in a fight of any kind. Selfish, though, on the other hand. Uh, Philip and, and my other son-in-law, Cody, and I went to Florida a couple of months ago to, to fish with Leanne's brother, Dean, on his boat, and and uh, we all three hooked the sailfish. Uh, they hooked some mahi-mahi in addition to that, but that's, that's Cody's sailfish there beside the boat. Talking about a fight. Sailfish are all in. I mean, you hook a sailfish, and you know you've got something because they're trying to, they're coming up out of the water, trying to shake the lure out of their mouth. and You know you're in a fight. You're, you know you're, you're in a war with somebody who is all in to try and win against you. I thought about that this week as I, as I read this text in, in Matthew chapter 10, where as disciples, you and I are called, even commanded, to be all in. In fact, uh, this is, this is going to be some, some very abrupt, um, polarizing, harsh, seemingly to some of us, in-your-face scripture today, but each one of us need to hear it. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Verses 32 to 39, that's where our text is going to be today. Jesus speaking to his disciples says this, Whoever publicly acknowledges me, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever publicly disowns me, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be the members of your own household. Anyone who loves their father or, or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Those who do not take up their cross and follow me are not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. 
and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Kind of stark truth so far, right? Let's, let's glean four things today from this text about all-in disciples. The first is this. All-in disciples know their identity. They know who they are. They know their identity. Look at 32, 33 again. He says, whoever publicly acknowledges me, I will acknowledge before my Father. Whoever publicly disowns me, I will disown before my Father. This section of, of chapter 10 is, is very black and white. It's very blatant. It's very uh, polarizing, very in-your-face. And it is centrally about one thing. It's about commitment. How committed we are in our walk with him as a disciple of his, as a follower of his. We talked in week one about our being followers, uh, knowing him personally. Week, week two about our being harvesters, seeing those around us, and the importance of reaching out to those around us to bring in the harvest of souls that God's given us uh, to reach. Talked in week three about our being messengers, how we have a story to tell, and the power of that story, of his, his connecting his story with our story eternally. And then we, last week we talked about how we need to be vulnerable, and in our, in our vulnerability, God uses that to bring glory to himself and others to the kingdom. But this is centrally about commitment today and about our being all in as committed disciples of his. If we try and pick and choose, he's saying, if we try and pick and choose situations where we're willing to make him known or not known, we might as well not know him, he says, because we're, there, there's, there's this idea that he will disown us if we disown him, he says here. Uh, that's not to say that we're supposed to be in everyone's face about our faith, nor they ours, or about our own faith, or theirs. But given the opportunity, we should seize it every time. Why? Well, a couple of reasons come to mind. First, as we've already talked about, it's the obvious reason is the consequence. The consequence of our dropping the ball in those situations, God says, if you disown me publicly, I'll disown you as well. But if you, if you, if you make people aware of me publicly, you, uh, I will make you aware before my Father as well. Um, the other reason is this, is, is that we never know whose eternity hangs in the balance. Conversations we have with others, ways we make Jesus known in, at work, in, in the marketplace, at the ball field, at the bank, at the grocery store. We never know whose eternity hangs in the balance in those situations. Uh, it's, it is very important that we do so. Uh, the power T is a popular icon around this town right now. It's a popular icon around the country right now. In fact, Leanne and I were in Mount Airy, North Carolina, last weekend, seeing all things Andy, and uh, had a great time. We're at a, at a restaurant, and a guy came up to me from Georgia, and I had a, a Tennessee shirt on with, with a T on the power T on the on the chest, and he said, "I like that shirt." I said, "You do?" I said, "Go big orange." He said, "I like beating Bama." He said, "I'm from Georgia, but I like beating Bama." He said, and, and, and I'm tickled, tickled to death. Y'all beat him last right? week. Then the next day, we were at a Cracker Barrel and uh, uh, had, had, had the shirt on, and a guy from Miami came up and said, I like that shirt. Said, you, 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 you like us beating Bama? He said, absolutely. Love it when anybody beats Bama. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it, it's, it's a popular icon nationally right now. But I wonder how iconic our faith is. I wonder how iconic our walk is. I wonder how known our Savior is to those around us, to those within our sphere of influence, to those we work with, to those perhaps even family members that are without Christ. I wonder how iconic our brand is to them, how, how easily that's known, how easily that's made known. Um, 
The identity we have as disciples, he says here, is vitally important, who we, who we identify with, who we make known, and who, and who not. I wonder who or what we're making known. Uh, this can be contagious, too, to other believers. As we are more bold with our faith and more bold with our walk and more bold with our story, they in tune see that and can believe they can be that way as well. Folks that are maybe a little more backward, folks that are intimidated by the enemy, they think, well, I don't know enough scripture. I don't have enough mileage in the faith to tell my own story. Nobody's going to be interested in what I've got to say. All those lies from hell that the enemy tells us, that, that can embolden others as well when they see us share our faith and be willing to, to be more public and live a more public life with our faith than we, we have normally done. But all in disciples, they know their identity. Secondly, all in disciples prioritize relationships. They prioritize relationships. Look at verse 37 with me. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, this verse is, is a rather stark, bold proclamation, but it's set up by the previous three verses. Verse 34, look at it, at it again. It says, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. This is Jesus speaking. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter against her, her uh, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now, he's talking here about the spiritual realm, talking in the spiritual realm, not necessarily physically or literally. He culminates that in verse 36 to say, your enemies will be the members of your own household. In essence, you may find some in your, in your own household that are outside the faith, that are outside the walk of Christ, and you may, you may find yourself in conflict with them. Uh, he's not saying here that we're not to love our parents or our kids. He is saying, though, that our relationships need to be prioritized properly, meaning that our love for him needs to supersede our love for our family, our love for our mother or father or kids. Uh, it's, it needs to be made known by everyone we know where, where our allegiance lies. Notice he says that if, if we can't do that as a disciple of his, that we are not worthy of him. Pretty harsh language there. Uh, so are we nullifying what he did at the cross to say that's no longer good enough? If, in other words, if, I can't, if I'm not up to muster, is he going to forgive me at the cross? I don't think that that's what he's teaching at all here. I think what he's teaching here is that this is, this is uh, he's teaching this to show us the value of priority and the value of relationship where that needs to be prioritized. Uh, understanding that uh, he needs to take that, that preeminent position. Uh, it's, I don't think this affects our salvation, but it affects how we live in, in relation to our being saved and our relation to making him known, uh, even in front of our family, putting our family in front of him. And I, I, I get it. I realize this is probably the place where a lot of folks jump off the discipleship train. You mean I got to put my family behind God? I think that's exactly what he's saying here. And before you think that's so harsh, I experienced that as a child growing up. I knew my mom's relationship with God was more important than her, her relationship with her kids. In fact, we all knew that. And she never set the five of us down and said, okay, I want you all to know this. Our relationship to God, I love him more than I love you. I will always love him more than I love you. She never set us down and showed, showed, told us that, but we knew it. She lived it. And, and, and honestly, that didn't bother any of us. In fact, it made the five of us want to walk. 
in that same place. And as we strive to do that today, uh, seeing that lived out in front of you, it, it'll change how you view and how you prioritize relationships. It, 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 it will force you to, it'll force your hand to say, this is a lot of lip service, son. Is this, is, is this the place you're walking? Is this the place you're actually living? Is this what you actually believe? Or is this just something you tell people on Sundays? He's saying here, move to the place where your, your uh, relationships are prioritized to the extent that everybody sees it. Your family sees it. Your, 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 your coworkers see it. Those in your world, those within your sphere of influence, those, everybody sees those relationships and understands where your priorities lie. All the disciples know their identity and prioritize relationships. Thirdly, all in disciples understand self-denial. They understand self-denial. Look at verse 38. Those who do not take up their cross and follow me are not worthy of me. Jesus is saying that if you're going to follow him, there's definitely a cross to bear. His cross took him to the cross. It took him to his own death. There may be instances where our cross does that to us as well. Uh, in fact, Around our world, there are crosses being born. Uh, believers are being jailed in China about every day. Believers are being beheaded in Iran on a consistent basis. Uh, believers are being bombed in Ukraine on a consistent basis. In fact, um, just in the last couple of weeks, I'm sure you've heard the stories of the uh, Iranian-sourced drone attacks that Russia ha had drones that, that were kamikaze drones the, the drone held the bomb and flew those drones into what the news media said as civilian areas. Three of those were churches. You don't hear that on the news, do you? Uh, these, these, they're, they're, they're believe, believers dying for their faith around the world every day. And he's saying here that we need to understand self-denial because it may cost us something. In fact, a faith that doesn't cost us anything isn't worth much. He says... I think that's the, the connotation that he's trying to get across here. Taking up our cross is a reference of self-denial. It, it, it's moving ourselves beyond a Christianity of, of convenience and into a faith that costs us something on a regular basis. Let me say that again. It is moving ourselves beyond a Christianity of convenience, bearing a cross is, and moving us to a place where we're living out a faith that costs us something on a regular basis. And if yours doesn't cost you something, friend, you don't have it should cost you something. There should be a price to pay in the culture that we live in, for sure. Uh, I wonder what your cross looks like today and what it, what it causes you or asks you to lay down. I wonder if your cross is asking you to lay down your money. I wonder if your cross is asking you to lay down some time. I wonder if it asks you to, to, to lay down your pride or your position or your job or your career. I wonder if it's, if it's asking you, senior adult or older person, to rethink retirement in ways that are more service-oriented than, than, re than rest or relaxation. I wonder if it's causing most of us to rethink um, family. Uh, there's not a parent in this room or a grandparent in this room that doesn't want your kid or grandkid to have a better life than you did. And while there's nothing evil or wrong with that, I wonder if we're doing our kids and grandkids a disservice by not preparing them for the world they're growing up in to say, your faith's going to cost you something. In fact, if it doesn't cost you something, it isn't much. People are going to attack you one of these days because of what you believe and who you believe in. Are you ready for that? I wonder if we're not doing them a great disservice by 
as we looked at last week, not telling, with, telling them or sharing with them, you're growing up in a world where you're sheep among wolves. You're, our culture and those in our culture, the, the enemy is seeking to devour you. And you need to be ready for that. Your life may be harder than mine. It may not be as easy as mine. It may not be as, as blessed as mine has been because our culture is shifting and our world is changing. I wonder if we're not doing them a great disservice not to prepare them that way because they need to understand that we do as well self-denial. All disciples, all in disciples need to understand self-denial. Finally, all in disciples hold nothing back. Look at verse 39. They hold nothing back. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Most of us, as we reach early adulthood, we have a preconceived, nav navigated way of how we think our life is supposed to unfold and play out. No, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Nothing wrong with plans and dreams and goals, but I wonder what scripture like this does to those kinds of roadmaps. I wonder what scripture like this does to, to speak to us about if your way is not his way, and his way needs to be your way, not the other way around. I wonder what that does to our plan. In fact, I wonder if someone had set us down, those of us who know Jesus personally by faith, I wonder if someone had set us down before we prayed to receive Christ and said, here's what's expected of you in your faith. Here's what's going to be required. If you're going to be a disciple of his, if you're going to walk with him closely and intimately, here's what your life's going to look like. It may cause you to lose some relationships with family members. It may cause you to lose some relationship with friends. It's definitely going to cost you something if you're going to live your faith out in a public way and make him known. It's going to cost you something. You've got a cross to bear if you're, going to, if you're going to be a believer, if you're going to be a follower of his. I wonder if, if, we, would have, if we would have prayed to receive Christ had we known the cost involved in being a, a disciple of his. Uh, it's, it's the decision to trust him as our Savior. I wonder if it, if it would have made a difference. And I, I don't hear me say today that um, this, is, this is totally in relation to salvation because I don't believe that's the context of what he's talking to about his disciples. He knows they're followers of his already. I don't think he's saying you can lose your salvation here. He's saying if you're going to be a disciple of mine, you can be a believer. You can, you can know Jesus personally. Ask him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Get your ticket to heaven and totally be satisfied with that and never move beyond that. In fact, many, millions do that day after day after day. But if you want to be a disciple, if you want to know him at a deeper level, you want to walk with him at a deeper level and experience him like you haven't before, there's a cost to getting there. Not much cost to staying in a, in a, in a shell and knowing Jesus and going to heaven. Not much cost to that. But walking with him in an intimate way, in, in, in an intimate place, there's a cost there, I think that's what he's saying. Um, this isn't the fine print of salvation, but it is the fine print of discipleship. It is, it is reading, reading down at the bottom of the document to say, oh, this is required, and this is required, and this is how God views this. Um, he's saying here that we're willing to give up everything until we're willing to lose our life. We'll never find what true life is. But if, if we're willing to do that, if we're willing to... to to find him, meaning knowing him, knowing his nature, knowing his ways, knowing how he speaks, how he works, how he opens doors, how he closes them. Uh, that relationship with him can be beyond anything we can imagine, knowing him in those ways, where we anticipate what he's going to do and see his hand before anything ever happens. Think I can get there? Yes, you can. 
But you've got to walk according to Matthew 10 to get there. It's, uh, it, there's some cost to get there. We have to lose our life in order to find that life that he's talking about. Well, the question as we wrap up today, and it's obvious, are you an all-in disciple or are you a tag-along? You know, all-in disciple or are you a tag-along? Then what are you talking about by tag-along? The tag-alongs want to know what they don't know. They just don't want to sacrifice anything to get there. They want to know what they don't know, genuinely. They just don't want to have to pay any price to know it. That's what a tag-along is. A disciple says, I don't care what the price is. I don't care what the cost is. I'll pay it to walk with him, to, to, to understand and find him that way. Uh, how, can, how can I know those things to be true? Well, you see, I, I don't know, Tim, whether I'm a tag-along or whether I'm, a, I'm an all-in disciple or if I'm somewhere in between. How do I know? Matthew 10 is a good gauge for you. The more you look like this text, the more all in your life looks like the others. You say, I look a little bit like it sometimes. Well, then there's some work to do. But if you're here today and you say, my life looks nothing like that, I would challenge you to revisit, revisit your faith relationship, to know that you know that you know that you know that you know him. Beyond any shadow of doubt, dear believer, you prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, giving your heart and life to him as, as Lord. But knowing that there's more than just that, knowing today that there's more than just that place of salvation where I know him and heaven is my home, but where I'm, my life is making a difference here. It's living out his design purpose and plan for my life here such that people around me are reached. Well, if, you, if your answer today is, I don't look much like that, or I'm probably somewhere in the middle, great news. It's never too late to change course. It is never too late to change course. Um, but in order to do that, you got to throw out your own GPS and pick up this book and go by it. Because going your own way is not going to get you to where he wants you to be. not going to get you to where he's designed for you to be. You're going to have to throw out your own GPS and pick up this book and let it navigate your way, let it navigate your path forward. I want to encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me here this morning because I want to close this message today in a little different way. Um, I sense the Holy Spirit speaking through our hearts today to say, Tim, I'm not there, but I want to be. I'm not an all-in disciple, and I admit that I've seen that today sitting here. I, this text has exposed me and exposed some insufficiencies in my life, and I want that. I want to know God in that way. I want to walk with him in that way. I want to ask you today to take to seize the opportunity to find that place of obedience. Now, you can pray a prayer of commitment in your seat. You can, you're welcome to come to this altar as we, as we uh, close in just a moment, and, and Leanne comes to play. You're welcome to come to this altar and, and pray a prayer of commitment to him to say, God, help me tomorrow to be all in. And help me on Tuesday to be all in. And then help me on Wednesday to be all in. I understand it's a day-by-day -day process. I want to be all in for you. And I want to find to draw a line today in the sand here on October 30th to say today, I want to find myself in an all-in place for you. I want to be an all-in disciple for you. I want to move beyond just salvation. Move beyond just knowing you as my Savior. And move into a place of substance. Move into a place of maturity. Move into a place where it gets harder. But, I get, but I, my situation gets better because I see your hand more clearly at work 
it's easier to see you at work in my life. It's easier to understand where you are instead of wondering, is God here? Does he love me? Does he see me? Yes, he does. And there he is. There's his hand. I want to encourage you today that that's you. That you find your heart and your life in a place of obedience to him today. To get up out of your seat and come and pray if you need to. Pray in your seat if you want to. But find yourself in a place of obedience today to say, I want, I want that life. I want that life more than I want the life I have right now. Because he wants that for us as well. Lord Jesus, today we give you this place and give you the hearts of the people in this room that says, I want that. I want to be an all-in disciple. I'm not content just being a follower. I'm not content just knowing you as my Savior. I want to, I want to find a deeper place, a place that makes impact in the lives of people around me. A place where my life is making a difference. A place where I understand the reason why I was born in the first place. What my life is supposed to be about. I want that. I don't want to leave this place today without it. Would you give us the courage today to step into that place and tomorrow and the next day and the next and the next? Will the enemy attack? I better believe he will. But you will give us the strength and the courage to fend him off. You give us the strength for the next day and the one after that because you've designed for us to walk in this place. And not only that, the beauty of that is you've designed to meet us there where we're not on our own. You're navigating every step forward for us. As we go deeper in our faith, we're hungry for your word, we're hungry to live it and, and share it in an active, intentional way. You meet us there to open doors in conversation, to make hearts ripe and ready for the gospel around us. Make us hunger and thirst after those places today and find this place today, before we leave here, to be a place of commitment to you in a deeper way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.